right, welcome in on another episode of the Outside the Lines podcast. Today, we are going to do a little bit of a Big 12 recap. We have not talked with y'all since, well, let's just let's just say it, since the Ohio game. But now Iowa State is competing for a Big 12 championship. Yes, you heard that correct. We are actually competing for a Big 12 championship in second place behind Oklahoma. And if you are listening to this, then of course you know that we are brought to you by BNC Fieldhouse. So head on over to BNC Fieldhouse for the best drink deals on Welch Avenue, as well as the best place to watch the big game. No game this weekend. This is our classic bi-week episode. So chill out, relax this weekend, maybe have some beer, some wings, whatever you want at BNC and watch the other games and have some a, a non-anxiety weekend because Iowa State football will not be playing. Head on over there every Wednesday for Wild Wings, 50 cent wings until 9 p.m. with dollar tequila shots and $2 rum and Cokes and $5 Bush Light pitchers. And then last but not least, there is a zombie bar crawl on Thursday, October 26. So that starts at BNC from 7 to 9 p.m., Mickey's 9 to 10, AJ's 10 to 12. Be there, especially to support our boy Ben. And without further ado, we will get into a little bit of a Big 12 recap. Newt, we got some things to talk about. Let's uh let's embrace our recency bias and talk about the Iowa State Cincinnati. Uh, can I say we we clobbered them? Is beat that down. fair to say we kind of clobbered yeah. them? Bearcat beatdown. Bearcat beatdown in Cincinnati. Oh yeah. Ruin their homecoming. Oh, I did not know that was their homecoming. Damn. Oh yeah. They said it, they said it on the, the broadcast a couple times. They're like, this is a rowdy crowd there here for homecoming, and we rained on that parade. So, Hell yeah. I'll admit, I'm raising my hand here. I was at a wedding, so we were watching it on the big screen as as uh, you know the clock was ticking down. Could not hear anything, though, so I might, I might be ignorant on a couple things here. But just from what I saw, defense, I mean, no surprise there, looked great. I, I, Cincinnati honestly just didn't look very good. They just looked pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, I don't know. I think I want to say Cincinnati didn't look good, but at the same time, I just want to say that I think our defense is definitely capable of doing that to teams to make them yeah. look bad. That that I think a lot of times if you don't have a quarterback that makes great decisions um, or you can't, like really establish the run game, then it's a pretty tough defense to to handle. And we saw, um, I mean, Emory Jones in the first half, kind of at the beginning, was doing all right. Um, you know, he obviously threw a pick like extremely early. Um, a second, my neighbor's calling me. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Emory Jones, uh. You know, he had the the pick to TJ Tampa pretty early. Um, TJ Tampa, amazing quarterback. Uh, you know, I, I, we can dive into that or we can all just, you know, take it as fact because it is fact. Um, you know, amazing cornerback. I, I saw the highest highest graded cornerbacks on PFF is uh, TJ Tampa at number three, 87.6. I don't know what 87.6 means. PFF always does that. But yeah. Their their method is weird. Like it's just eye tests, and that dude shuts people down. Um, what was it? There was a guy on Cincinnati. Um, was his name? I can't even remember it because he was so irrelevant into the game. But he came into the into the game with like the 
third most receiving yards in the Big 12 or something. Uh, uh, oh, it was, I think it was Xavier Henderson. And I don't think he recorded a stat <laughs> because of TJ mm-hmm. Tampa. So um, that's a good look. But um, did you see what we have the most interceptions um, since 2012? We have 12 right now. And we're already how many games into the season? Like halfway? I mean, yeah. Seven games. We're averaging like almost two picks a game. <laughs> I mean, Jeremiah Cooper ha- is tied for the most interceptions in college football with five. I don't know who he's tied with, but I don't care because um, he's going to get more. I mean, it, it's just it's pretty incredible to like see. We were rushing three against Cincinnati and we were getting consistent pressure. I mean, do, do you know what you can do to an offense when you're getting pressure on a, a quarterback with only three people? Tart like you know bulldozing over the offensive line. It's just John Heacock. I, I don't know how much more we can you know praise his name with, with without just being redundant and sounding like a broken record. But it's it's magnificent what that man is doing. It's honestly like we praise John Heacock so much on this podcast, and I think we still don't do it enough, or like he doesn't get enough yeah. credit because. This defense has cycled through players. We lost Will McDonald. Like, we've lost big names on the defense year in and year out. And it really doesn't miss a beat, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, the defense is still just crazy stout and, and dominant. And so, I think, I don't know, it's it's the Heacock system. And the way he, he schemes, gets players to buy in, it's it's very impressive. Um, and we're very fortunate to have such a good defensive coordinator. So mm-hmm. Both TCU and Oklahoma State, we held them to their lowest uh, point differential. I think Cincinnati, too. I don't have that in front of me. Um, in the Big 12, though. And, you know, TCU only scored 14 points against us. I think we're learning that TCU is just not near as good as they were last year. Um, but hell, they, they scored 34 against SMU, 44 against BYU, 42 against Colorado. Now these aren't necessarily great defenses, uh, 36 against Houston, but you know, holding a, a, I would say a solid TCU team to 14. Um, and obviously Oklahoma state, that was one of those games where it didn't even look like that was close the entire time. Honestly, we, we won by 14 or excuse me seven points, but I would say throughout most of the game, I was not worried at all that we were going to lose it. And I I think that's just the value of having such a strong defense that you just can rely on um, that, you know, is going to have a a takeaway at least every now and then. And obviously 12 interceptions at this point in the season is just incredible. So we, yeah, we don't talk about it enough and we talk about it a lot. This is true. We do talk about it a lot. So um yeah this defense is killer and it's it's why we're able to stay in a lot of games or you know win certain games because they really step up um and you know like we said every once in a while they have a game like they're not going to be perfect every year you know we obviously saw Oklahoma put a 50 burger on us there's been other games where we've kind of gotten to you know a little chaotic with with games um whether that's the offense putting them in a bad position or just struggling, but time and time again, this defense steps up and it's, it's been causing turnovers, things like that, that have been huge for us. So 
you know, going back to Cincinnati, I, I kind of bounced all over the place there. I would just say we looked good. Like, I, I think when you can make a team look bad, maybe they're not the best, sure. But I think that also just, you know, is it is a testament to we're better than, honestly, we gave ourselves credit for. I think coming off of Ohio, we were all just like doom and gloom. Every one of us was. It, that was such an atrocious game that I think it, it's hard to feel good after that, you know, type of game where you're just not only playing to the level of your competition, but losing to that level of competition. But you can tell the offense has started hitting their stride. I mean, we had a, a touchdown pass to Steve O'Klotz, Klotz, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, I think Ben Bramer again got another one. And that's four touchdowns on the season for or four different tight ends who have a touchdown on the season. Dean, uh, Moore, Bramer. Bramer or Bramer? Do you know the answer there? I think it's Bramer. Yeah, whatever. Um, and then Jaden Higgins popped off this past game. And I, I know that um, Hakeem mentioned to us that he was the wide receiver to watch out for from the offseason, the one that all of the coaches were super high on. And this is kind of his come out party. I, I think he had a whole over 170 receiving yards. And it, I don't know, they're finally letting Beck sling the ball. And I think yeah. that's what's been unleashing this offense. Yeah, I mean – the back throw to Higgins down the sideline was beautiful. It hit him it perfectly in stride. And mm-hmm. it was, what, 75-yard play? So with that, um, I want you to pr- guess how many yards Jaden Higgins accounted for receiving from our total passing yards, like a percentage. Oh, um, uh, over 50% for sure. I would say... 66%, two-thirds. Not too far off. It was 71%. That's insane. 172 of the 241 yards. So, um, yeah. You know what I, was great to see? Oh, go for it. I was going to say, it, it, I was going to agree with your point on, on kind of seeing Rocco sling it, taking some deep shots. I mean, it felt like this offense was different than what we've seen at least like at the very start of the year, even Rocco was a threat with his legs early on, which I thought was great. I even like the announcers made a point of it. Like he hasn't run that much this year, but now he's like a threat to keep it on some of these option reads. And we talked about this last time we were on, we're saying, Hey, we, if it's hard to run from shotgun, if the other person in shotgun is not going to ever be a threat to run, like it basically Mm -hmm. means that edge can like cut down and doesn't have to hold right there and so yeah um it was even nice to him nice to see him early on uh be a threat with that too so has had a couple rushing touchdowns too i think what's most impressive to me and i and we've talked about this i i love how elusive he is while keeping his eyes downfield i mean it's it's not the worst thing in the world if you evade the rush and, and run forward, but you're going to be a far more effective quarterback if you're always looking to throw down the field. That That's kind of how you saw some quarterbacks like Russell Wilson looks pretty bad right now, but early on in his career, that was how he was able to make um, you know so many plays because he would evade the rush and keep his eyes downfield. I don't know where we're at anymore, but I mean, our offensive line has given up hardly any sacks, and it's not been because of our... I, our offensive line is, is better this year than it has been in years past. So I, I'm not trying to shit on them, 
But let's just say it's not because our offensive line is the greatest offensive line in the world. It's because Rocco's running and he's doing a hell of a job throwing the ball away, keeping his eyes downfield, and just evading the rush. I love, love the way he moves in the pocket. You know, instead of scramble, I, I'm a big Beck guy, dude. I don't know. And, and I just need to say, he he slings the ball so beautifully. Like, he just got one of those, like, releases where you're like, oh, that's just beautiful. Yeah, he's he's kind of got the, like, I don't know what it is. Sort of like the backyard football motion a little bit. Where yeah. it's, just, it's just like you're like throwing around with the boys a little bit, but he's he's by far like the most smooth and and you know it's like it's there's no pressure really like it, it I get what you're saying with it, but yeah I mean mm-hmm. like I said it's been nice to see them kind of take the training wheels off back here, and I think they know that they have to do it. <laughs> um, like, yeah. Hey. We're going to have to, like, live and die by this guy a little bit. You know, he is a, a redshirt freshman and doesn't have a ton of reps. But, like, you know, you got to see what he's made of. And what we're seeing now is he's – they've also allowed him to take off the trainers. Like, you could say, like, he would have made a lot of these throws or been, like, this big of a risk taker early on in the season. But a lot of the plays weren't drawn up for that. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And we almost have to keep in mind, he's still a redshirt freshman. Like, if he has any chance on actually growing to be a, a great D1 quarterback, you have got to let him make mistakes. You've got to let him air it out. And I think that was what was so frustrating those first two games, especially against Ohio, where you're like, these are good opportunities for him to play against a really good defense in Iowa. And then on the other side of things, face a different type of defense in Ohio. And in that Ohio game, it was atrocious to watch because – we didn't start slinging the ball until the second half of the fourth quarter, and that was right when we started making a comeback. And it's just proving, yeah, he has to learn if we want him to actually be good. And and he is good. And that's what he proved. Like, when we're slinging it, he's making good decisions. He's throwing it pretty damn accurate. And it's not going to be perfect all the time. He's a redshirt freshman. Like, he needs to grow into himself but he's not ever going to be able to do that unless we actually allow him to sling the ball. So thank goodness. Um, like you said, we took off the training wheels in big 12 play and we've actually been able to see him make some plays and even the ass kicking against Oklahoma, he still, he was not the problem. He was not the problem at all. He had, I would say Rocco had a pretty good game against Oklahoma, honestly. Yeah. I had a buddy who I was unfortunate. I, I could not watch the Oklahoma game. But I had a buddy text me who he's an Oklahoma fan. And he's like, I really believe in this Rocco guy based on like what I've seen. So we're even yep. getting opposing fan bases saying that. So, um, yeah, I would uh, like to transition next into another, I think, not another, like, because I don't think Rocco being good is surprising, but I was going to say a surprising element of our special teams <laughs> like oh yeah what's been going on here and this is this is such a wild thing to get to experience this year because you we used to have just like our our buttholes clenched anytime there's some sort of special teams play <laughs> and now it's like Jalen Noel is just absolutely a menace on kick return so much so Contreras is money yeah Contreras can can run a little bit too you know? yeah like, it's funny Ooh. that we used the same play that Oklahoma used against us last year for a fake field goal. I, um, I thought that was so funny. And honestly, it's just kind of like, hell, they they say it, that it can be a copycat league. I think that's more the NFL. But if you hey, see something that works well for other people and you can adopt it, 
hell run with it don't like you know work smarter don't work harder that's like hey we got bamboozled by this play but we're gonna bamboozle someone else with it um but yeah i mean uh i just want to give a big shout out to the special teams here because it was it's always nice when you're that's like a a positive of the game um and Mm -hmm. We had we had some amazing special teams plays that definitely helped us with in the field position battle, momentum, all that kind of stuff. You know, uh, Jalen Noah had kind of a small, like a uh, quiet game uh, offensively, but he was loud as hell on kick returns. Um, yeah, and so loud so that on the third kick off they had, they didn't even kick it to him. They kicked this super short, and we got it like the forty-five. It's like okay, that we'll we'll take it almost to midfield. Like that's perfect. <laughs> So, I mean, even having that threat back there is is a nice one to see. So uh, he was making team. those runs too. Like he he was breaking tackles. It wasn't that the Red Sea parted for him. Like he was making moves. He was breaking tackles. Yeah, Jalen, no, dude, he's gotten big too. Like like he looks like he's put on a lot of muscle from last year to this year. Um, yeah, I, I would like to see him be incorporated a little bit more on the offensive side of things. But hell, if we get if we get him going on special teams, then that's a, that's a hell of a way to make an impact. Yeah, yeah. I will say the one thing that is a little worrisome here is this team's red zone offense. It, it was struggling. All of our field goals were 30, 34, 30 again. And it's just in certain games, like you can't win with field goals. We did win with field goals mm-hmm. here because we were able to sprinkle in touchdowns and this offense was really able to move. But against a team like Texas or something like that, those have to be touchdown opportunities. And it does seem like we are a little bit of a team that struggles in the red zone um, to kind of, kind of, you know, I don't know, convert field goals to touchdowns. Um, and that's the one thing that I would like to see a little bit of improvement, whether that's getting the tight ends more involved, getting uh, Higgins, you know, some jump balls, things like that, um, that it would be you know, the one sort of small complaint I have here is that there, there was a lot of settling. It was great. We were moving yeah. the ball down the field or, you know, obviously uh, off kick returns, having that set up with a, a short field and stuff um, or turnovers. But, you know, like the TJ Tampa interception that was turned into a 30 yard field goal, you know, like things like that, that those to like kind of take the next step, I think, those field goals have to more frequently be turned into touchdowns. So you're spot on. You're spot on. And and I think uh sometimes designing a red zone offense is tricky just because of literally the space constraints. You can't run every single route in the tree that you typically want. I, I do I did want to give a shout out to Tyler Perkins. He's the holder. He had a snap go should have been way yes. over his head. He snagged it. I mean it's it's small things like that where um glass half full great save by Tyler Perkins and you know Contreras still nailed it through um but hey we're let's let's clean up the snaps a little bit there buddy you know it's uh let's let's keep the train going of our special teams looks good I I would hate to revert back so I don't know I'm trying to approach that with the glass half full mentality of wow what a hell of a play by Tyler Perkins but it's also something that probably shouldn't have happened to begin with so I am cautiously optimistic about special teams. I think just um, I, I'm, I'm showing scars, you know, from the past. Like I I still I can't fully tell if we have a good special teams yet just because it, it doesn't sound right to me. 
I think it's it's like um, interacting with a wild animal, and like it's Ooh. slightly it's slightly positive, you know, like they're calm or whatever, or like they take like a piece of food from you, but you're still like, all right, like they could do anything, and I have to be yeah. ready to like defend myself here. <laughs> it's like while it's, it's not- eating, it growls at you. You're like, okay, you still got a little bit of that wild nature in you. Yeah, yeah, it's like there's there is that skepticism that you have to keep on your toes like almost constantly and we have that in almost every like the only thing that we're not we don't have that in is the defense like week in and week out i'm like heacock and the boys are more than likely showing up here and i'm not ever going to be skeptical about that um and if it Mm -hmm. happens it just happens but i i i trust them with like my life at this point i trust john heacock to scheme properly you know or whatever um so yeah but the special teams is like a little wild animal that i'm i'm still maybe trying to keep a little distance it's cute right now the wild animal is is mostly cute i i I really like the wild animal i still think it might bite me though like it It it, could bite it, it could easily turn on me so yeah you shouldn't invite friends over for at least another couple months yeah so okay well um we can talk baylor but i honestly just want to talk the rest of the our outlook and I do, what are we really good at new? We're really good at getting ahead of ourselves here. So yes, yes, I'm, I'm going to do that. It's a bye week So this is a good time to actually take a full analysis of what we have in front of us and outlook looks good, man. I mean, Baylor, I think that that's, uh, I'm trying not to be too overtly optimistic, but we have Baylor, Kansas, BYU, Texas, Kansas state. I think there's a decent chance we actually could be favored in all of those. Um, you know, Kansas State at the very end of the year is in Manhattan. I don't know if we'd necessarily be favored in that. Texas, we're clearly not going to be favored. We know that. But it is our second to last game at Iowa State. Where do really good teams come to die? Jack Trice Stadium, especially after we've had multiple weeks under our belt with a young roster that's developing into a decent roster. And hell, at that point in our season, that Texas game, it, it, there is a reasonable expectation that we can win that game. It's not just, hey, maybe we can make some magic happen today. No, I would say if we continue on this path that we have been, that Texas game coming to Iowa State in Ames, Iowa, it, it could be a real big danger zone for Texas. Let me just say that. Last game of the year, it's cold. I, I hope it's a night game too, make it even colder. Mm. Kansas State would be our last game of the year. Last home game, sorry. Last home oh, game. Oh, senior night. Yeah. I mean, senior I don't know how night. many seniors we have, but uh yeah. two well, seniors. Gary Bond will get some kudos. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, no, so I uh no, I, I, I think, you know, we, like we said, we like to get ahead of ourselves, but I, I think it's time to start talking to your children about uh an Iowa State team that's competing for a spot in the Big 12 championship game because it is absolutely time to talk with your children. I mean, hell, if the season ends today, we are in the Big. We 12 are in it. Yeah, we, we are, are in the in Big 12 it, championship game. That's just facts. That's the stats. You know, we're not bullshitting here. It's just stats. That's that's plain and simple stats. Um. Mm. Yeah. I mean. Obviously, any of these games can go awry. We lost to Ohio this year, so like anything can happen with this team at this point. But based on what we've seen and the progression that's happened, then yeah, I would say you know the Baylor game's on the road, but 
they haven't looked the best this year. Um, they've been struggling in, in Big 12 play as well. Um, we do have a beat. break in between, too. So we, we have that yeah. bye week to focus on Baylor. That never helps us. I, I don't think we've <laughs> actually done well with a bye week no. for a, a while. I can't remember, honestly, the last it, It's time like we, half we and won. half. It's 60% we lose, 40% we win. It's not a huge difference, but if anything, it's probably not good for us. I know that the stats lean against us wanting a bye week. Um, yeah, so we won or we lost our bye week last year. We won our bye week the year before, the game after the bye week. And then we lost our bye week in 2020 to Oklahoma State. But yeah, yeah so... I don't know. It's not one of those where it's like, oh, huge advantage because we're scout, whatever. But anyways, um, yeah, so Baylor, I mean, Kansas is at home. They've kind of, you know, they're ranked for a bit. They have talent. They beat us last year. So I think that honestly helps. I always like it when we get to play a team that we lost to. The revenge factor. There, Yeah, there's a revenge factor. The coaching staff's a little pissed. You know, I think also losing to Kansas was, to be honest, kind of embarrassing last year because we were like one of their early first quote-unquote big wins a bit yeah um and, and that like was also when we were like three and field against or, us and shit yeah so excuse me when we started three and oh we were not three and oh when we played them yeah so i'm not as worried for the that game but obviously still worried BYU. They're, they're coming to Jack Trice. I mean, Trice. seriously, they're like our home Trice. field advantage is actually no joke. I, I'm, I don't like that we're playing at Baylor on October 28th, but Baylor's not incredible this year. And also, they don't have the warm weather factor. That is when we've struggled in Waco, like when it's literally 140 degrees on our sidelines, but a nice cozy 80 degrees on their sidelines. Um, so I don't think the home field advantage that Baylor has. This year will be near as impactful as it has in the past. Kansas and Texas are coming to Jack Trice. BYU looks so bad this year that I'm not too <laughs> worried about going to BYU. And then, of course, last game of the season, Kansas State. Like I said, that, that can be a tough game. Can, I be, State can I be honest? That's yeah. the game I'm worried about the most. <laughs> BYU? No, Kansas State. I hate playing Kansas State. That, oh, Kansas I, State does scare me, dude. Because even when they're that, bad, they're not that bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. They're they're a little just fucks. Like, I don't know how to describe it, but every game with them, like, I mean, I think it's just also, like, some of, like, it triggers a little bit of the PTSD of losing to them nine mm-hmm. years in a row. Mm-hmm. And, like, the last couple of those being absolute bullshit <laughs> games. Uh, like, just absolutely awful you know even the game where we were up 14 with like two minutes left and ended up losing it in regulation which is just very impressive to be honest um mm-hmm. so, gotta so, give it up for him yeah it was i mean that's the game that got paul Rhodes fired so to be honest not, yeah i mean not, you not, you love that not yeah, the worst you're, you're <laughs> oh uh, you you want paul Rhodes extended <laughs> i didn't have, we would have, would have mr matt campbell uh anyways so yeah all good things come to an end paul rhodes we were so proud that you are that you were our coach and um now we're happy it was just time it was just time yeah speaking of coaches um where's that one kid who said matt campbell's on the hot seat because like that that 
okay, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be mean, but he was a dick. So I kind of want to be a dick to him. Like him, the, the guy who said that to Matt Campbell, like he, he looked like a fake fan. Like he looked like someone who dressed or no, he looked like someone who thought that an Iowa state fan dressed that way. <laughs> okay. I don't, I'm not articulating myself very well. He looked like a fake fan. I honestly don't think he was a real fan. If you've, if you're actually a fan of Iowa state football, you will easily deal with a bad loss against Ohio and think back to, Oh, well, he's done a lot for us the past many years and be like, you know what? Everyone has a stinker every now and then clearly that's when that was his worst loss ever. But everyone's allowed their worst loss ever. You can't have your worst loss ever without having a loss, like a bad loss. You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I'm I'm trying to not be too much of a dick to that guy, but he was a dick to our boy Matt Campbell. So I don't know. Hey, maybe it lit a fire under Campbell. It's a little high. It clearly thing. did. So I'll you know sometimes whatever. Not trying to defend the guy because I definitely didn't agree with the opinion. But the results after it haven't been the worst. So maybe, maybe that was like, that was Matt Campbell's cannon event. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's exactly what he needed. He was he was fired up, you know, like I think it, it maybe you know, kind of refocused him in a little bit or something. If the ugly game against Iowa and then losing to Ohio wasn't the worst two weeks possible. Um, <laughs> yeah. He was also wearing like Mardi Gras beads. Like, I don't dude. He wasn't a real fan. Like he, he was a fake fan. I'm not kidding. He looked like someone who was an actual Iowa fan who dressed up as like an Iowa state gear. And they just wanted to troll Matt Campbell. I don't know. I, I'm going in a wild conspiracy right now, but I, I'm convinced I'm convinced, but you are right. I think that was exactly what Campbell needed, and I will back him up for the way he reacted. I think a lot of people were like, oh, that was a very unprofessional reaction. He let a troll get to him. All of that can be true at once, but hell, that that guy kind of needed an ass kicking after he said that, and that was what Campbell wasn't. <laughs> Campbell wanted to kick his ass. You, you saw it on his face. Yeah, I mean, you also have to think of the perspective, like Campbell just probably had – his worst loss as a coach, maybe. Yeah. Like, is I don't know if there's a worse loss, except for maybe in the early, like the first season, but I can't, you can't count anything in the first season. You can't, really. no, no. So, like, you know, obviously this team's young and things like that, but we should still be beating Ohio. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it was, yeah, like he was obviously frustrated and let the guy get to him a little bit. But I think, like, that's a response that just about anyone's going to potentially have in that space. Like, it's like, like, yeah, you obviously want – not everyone keeps their composure 100% of the time, whether you're a coach or a human being or whatever. You know, like, we're not perfect. And that was Matt Campbell at probably his most frustrated he's been this entire season. And, yeah, he got a little bit of a response from the guy. And, and normally he'd just walk by and ignore. But, you know, that, this is a better response, though. Yeah, yeah. So, but anyways – Big 12 champion, Iowa State. Talk. <laughs> talk with your kids about it. Talk with your yeah. kids about it. Well, um, do we want to talk Cyclones in the NFL a little bit, or uh, should we save that for another time when Brock Purdy's coming off a win? Um, I mean, Brock Purdy should have been coming off a win because he drove his team down the down the field um, against the, the league's best defense and without um, – three really good weapons and the best left tackle in the NFL. 
and mm-hmm. he still put them in. It was raining and windy, and he still put them in a opportunity to win the game. So I'm. It's funny because like the Twitter narrative or like whatever the entire reporting narrative around Brock Purdy has been bullshit. <laughs> you know, like yeah. people have been like he's a system quarterback, Shanahan, all this kind of stuff. It's like yeah, it obviously helps to have great weapons around you and a coach who has like an offensive philosophy. But his decision making, the way he makes throws, like all this shit that it's like if you know ball, you know that Brock Purdy has been killing it in the NFL and has really Mm -hmm. adapted well. And these people are now feeling like they're rectified with their takes because they're like, oh, Brock Purdy didn't win a game. It's like you didn't watch it or like you just looked at the box score. But if the kicker can make a 40 yard field goal, they win and no one gives a shit. And it's like, oh, Brock mm-hmm. Purdy still has an undefeated regular season record. And so, I, yeah. I think one of the best things I heard coming off of that is, well, I'll get to it. Every single person and their mom was wanting Brock Purdy to fail unless you're an Iowa State or a 49ers fan. Everyone was. Because like you said, they wanted to feel validated about their take that he's not that good. And two things can be true at once. He can be surrounded by the best roster in the NFL. He is, okay? Um, And he's also very good. You know, we have seen other quarterbacks in that system, Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, C.J. Beathard, um, not excel at all, but and also near us quick. He did right away. And one of the best takes I heard, you know, I, I love and hate Colin Coward. This was one of the times where I loved what he said. If Tom Brady had a game like that, but he still drove the length of the field and put his team in position for a 40 yard field goal to win. And they missed it. No one would be talking about Tom Brady losing that game. They would be talking about the kicker who lost that game. And by the way, the 49ers kicker, who I think he was a rookie, his entire family. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge bummer. But nonetheless, um, I, I think that's the narrative that is absolutely the perspective that you need to embrace. If that was Tom Brady, If that was Patrick Mahomes, every quarterback in the NFL is allowed not one, but honestly a few bad games throughout the season. If they still overcome themselves and put their team in position to win at the end of it all in the kicker or someone drops a a, a game winning touchdown, they're not going to be talking about, you know, Patrick Mahomes lost the game. Tom Brady lost that game. They're going to say the kicker lost that game. But because it's Brock Purdy and people want to feel validated, they're so excited to say, yep, Brock Purdy's nothing without Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, Trent, uh, Debo, all those guys. And it's it's frustrating, it's annoying, and Brock Purdy's just going to have to keep proving people wrong for, I, I guess, another another couple of years, it seems like, because I think people are not going to hop off this train for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, I saw some tweet where someone was like, we're about to, we're going to witness Brock Purdy uh, get the 49ers the one seed go to the Super Bowl, win Super Bowl MVP, and people are still going to say he's like a system quarterback. Like they'll, yeah. still, they'll still fight for that as like a take. And, you know, obviously it'd be awesome if that won, if they won and it, that occurred. But it, yeah, it, it is just like, it's, it's just, it's one of those things where people want to be right about a take. And at some point people just need to admit that they're wrong about a take. I thought Jalen Hurts was not going to be a great NFL quarterback. I did. I kind of rooted for it for a little bit. And then last year I was like, I was totally wrong. And this is huge man enough to admit that like, you know, like, Hey, I'm wrong here. This guy just, 
they annihilated the NFC and got to the Super Bowl and almost won. Like he's a good quarterback. I, I fully accepted it. And people are going to have to do that for Brock because he's not going anywhere, you know, pending injury or whatever, which God forsake that. But like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. And, you know, at this point we, as I like Iowa state fans just like, can't eat the garbage, I guess. Like, I think that's the hardest part Mm -hmm. is like, I see any take and I'm like, I have to immediately defend him. And at this point it's just like, no, I know what it is. And I'll just, you know, keep being like yep Brock like uh, just a huge Brock Purdy supporter in his corner and Mm -hmm. you know because everyone like you can always find the negative like you can always find someone trying to like take someone down and it's like I'm not gonna look for that I'm not gonna try and bite on that you know whatever it's like yeah I'm gonna defend him like hey he he had a chance for his game team to win the game at the end you know they they he got a a first down and then they ran two bullshit run plays just to like waste clock and get it in the middle like they were that they was were bad. Fine. You know, they were fine with like where they're at. Like, oh yeah, kicker should be fine getting a, a forty-yard field. You know, like they were. He kneeled it, the second one, I think. And just let's to get honestly to the be fair. And stuff, you Kyle know? Shanahan had some suspect calls. And, and uh, hey, I love Kyle Shanahan. I think he's easily a top five coach in the league. Maybe even one of maybe the best. I don't know. But no, you he, can't say he he's did the have some. He hasn't won a Super Bowl. Uh, that is a, a very big um, newt claim there on super bowl wins uh, well it's true like kyle shanahan has kind of turtled in the playoffs a little bit they shouldn't yeah. have lost to the rams a couple maybe of he's not ago. the best coach in the league i think you could make an argument for it for sure i think um, you can but i i don't want to put him over certain coaches potentially all right who's this just side tangent here who, who's your top three top three i'm just saying top one i don't think he's the best okay who is the best for you? I think you have to say Andy Reid. You kind of have to say Andy Reid. I agree with you. Yeah. Okay. He's won. All right, like well, anywhere. let's move on. You know, he won before <laughs> the Chiefs. He obviously was very successful with the Eagles. And, yeah, I, I'll, I'll take Andy Reid. So. All right, okay. I, I'm not going to argue that. That's that was more than fair. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, okay, moving on. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, we can wrap this up. But I do want to just mention quickly, Jack Trice night was incredible. Start to finish, it looked like the most beautiful environment. It honestly got me choked up. And I'm, I'm not even kidding when I say that. Like, I talking about it right now, I'm getting a little bit of, like, whirlwind of emotions just because it was such a great way to honor Jack Trice. The uniforms just look slick, dude. I mean, they're, they're just cool uniforms, whether it even, you know, stands for what it stands for. They're just cool, as they are. And we kicked TCU's ass the entire game. There was no hope for him, like at all. Like it was the lowest anxiety Iowa State game I, I've watched. I don't know in a very long time. And more than anything, it just looked like vibes were great from start to finish. There is no chance the Horned Frogs could have came into Ames and and done anything. So it was a beautiful night. We kicked some ass. Bo Freeler is a godsend. And you know what? I I, I just I gotta I gotta just give a little bit of a a little bit of some kudos to everyone that was a part of that because it was a really cool thing to watch. Yeah, I mean, um, it was like the story of Jack Trice and everything is is very important to Iowa State and Iowa State athletics and football. And it was it was pretty awesome to see that. And I think the cool part about it too is that it 
like it was one of those things that it became you know a little bit more like national media kind of picked up on it or something like that and i think getting that story out is fantastic because you know it's really cool that jack tri stadium is it's the only college football stadium that's uh named after an african-american and like Mm -hmm. that that like it's just like that kind of like I don't know everything that goes around it and honoring Jack tries and his story. I just think is it's an awesome story in college athletics. And it's something that it's great when Iowa state can pull it off, like do this sort of honoring in the way that they did. And like you said, it was awesome. If you're an Iowa state fan, it, yeah, it gave you chills. It made you proud. It got you emotional, like all this kind of stuff. And and I, th- I think they did it, you know, it was it's fantastically um you know pulled off and so yeah i agree we definitely have to give the athletic department everyone behind it the university um their flowers here because that entire night was awesome and i i think you could pull 100 out of 100 iowa state fans and they would say that it was who witnessed it and they would say that it was just absolutely awesome so absolutely we are now um the aims too I, I think we're all okay with yes. embracing that, right? That was a bad Honestly, screw up by that report. I, I would, I, I'd I, I rather have, it, man. I'd rather have the Ames as our logo than the Block I State. <laughs> I think I, I actually definitely would rather have Ames than the Block Please, I State. I, I'm begging. Bring back Matt Tornado Campbell. Bird. Matt Campbell has to get in Pollard's ear about this and just be like, dude, get rid of <laughs> the Block I State. Please. I'm, I'm like there's these two guys on this podcast that have been talking about it for years, man. We we need to finally take action on it. Yeah, I retweeted one of their tweets a few years ago that Newt specifically tweeted out, and then ever since then I've been listening to their podcast daily and weekly. <laughs> We're not daily, and I agree. We gotta get rid of the block. I say Pollard. So we got it. All right. Well, um, anything else before we sign off? Um, Brees Hall Brees, is yeah, I was Brees Brees Hall Hall's is, best running back in the NFL. He, he is the best running back in the NFL. Um, once the Jets finally take off the training wheels fully, we'll see it, but we've already started to see it a little bit here these past few weeks. But um he's electric. God damn, he is electric. And like that that first big run against the Broncos where he just like took it for whatever, 70 some yards. That's mm. like the epitome of Brees Hall. He has so many of those runs in like an Iowa State uniform where it's just like, oh, yeah, like 25 dive to the right. Like, and he just absolutely goes the distance. Like he hits that second level and then no one's touching him. So, yeah, he he's he's outstanding. I think, um, you know, I I tweeted X. What do we call it now? It's not a tweet. It's, it's still tweet. It's just still tweet. He's got to figure that out. I'm not referencing it as X. The icon on my phone is still the blue bird. I don't know. I still have the, yeah, I still have Twitter too. I haven't updated it. All right. I'm not gonna, so. Elon's got to figure that out. But um, I I tweeted, Breeshaw leads the NFL in average yards per rush, minimum of 30 attempts, and he's a 45th most utilized running back. Uh, the Jets are also five and two with an average point differential of plus 35 when Brees is given at least seven carries. And then the very next day when I tweeted that they announced we are taking the training wheels off Brees Hall. So part of me thinks they saw it. I know that my ego is is um pretty big sometimes, um, but I'm convinced they saw that. 
But what's even more frustrating, they they kind of took like one training wheel off. They're like, yeah, yeah well, well, yeah, oh, he, we're unleashing the breeze, and it's like, well, you kind of did, but you still didn't really do much. Um, I don't know. They 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 need to use him more. The Dalvin Cook signing, I, I get what they're trying to do there to appease Rodgers. They probably had to do that, but at the same time, um, roll with your best player. It's pretty obvious Brees Hall is one of, if not your best player, him, Sauce Gardner, and I would say Quinn Williams and Garrett Wilson are outstanding athletes. Feed him more. Holy shit. Get him the ball more. I don't know. Things will work out well for you, and I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop because Plus, they're mostly doing it. One last touch. One less touch for Zach Wilson is probably good. So Not the worst thing in the world, no. <laughs> Make it so that he, he shouldn't have to be throwing the ball 30 times a game. You know, you want him maybe throwing the ball 22 times a game or something. So Yeah, <laughs> unless you're throwing it to Lazard, then, yeah, get our boys some touches. That's true. That's true. Garrett Wilson's pretty yeah. good, too. Garrett's very good. Yeah. <laughs> so. If you're throwing it to Garrett, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. All right. Well, um, David Montgomery, you know, best best wishes to your recovery. Um, throw the ball to Alan Lazard. on it too. That's the worst part. He was, dude. Demont was going off. Hopefully the rib injury is not too severe here. But I mean, I I think it'll be. He's he's gonna come back. It seems. I just hope it's gonna be sooner than later. But gosh, the Lions are rolling too, and Demont's a huge part of that. I was talking with one of my friends who um who was about like a fantasy trade, but uh. He is a Jameer Gibbs owner, and I said, for what it's worth, I like Jameer Gibbs. I thought he was an absolute reach in the first round where they picked him up, especially when you signed David Montgomery to 13 mil a year, but whatever. Um, and you can just tell Dan Campbell, he's a David Montgomery guy, like that punch-you-in-the-mouth type of run style. Oh, it, it, he's a perfect fit within Dan Campbell, Ben Johnson's system, and and I, I think you know, Jameer Gibbs is just kind of a different weapon for them. Um, but you can tell what's allowing them to be as successful as they are is the run style that David Montgomery brings. He's a true asset to that team. Um, you could say he's probably one of their most important players. So, I mean, hopefully he recovers soon. There's still a wagon either way. And yeah, I think, think we're all kind of Lions fans. Even if you don't like the Lions, like they're a deserving fan base, I would say. I mean, I think we're all like Lions, 49ers, Jets, Jets fans. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's this smodgepodge of teams. And like the nice part is hopefully the NFL family just keeps growing. You know, hopefully we're fans of all 32 teams at some point, all because of Iowa State. <laughs> That's a little the optimistic, goal. but it'd be pretty cool. So. How sweet would it be to have an NFL jersey of every single team, each of a different Iowa State player? AJ Klein, you could probably buy like, yeah. I sure. mean, he's probably been on like four, five, six teams. Like he has been. He's he's well traveled. Um, he is. But he's, I mean, what eleven season in the league? So I trailblazer. I, I don't know where he's at anymore. I, I feel like he's a. I think he's a free agent right now. I don't think he is. I'm pretty sure he's. Someone picked him up. He's too good to be. Not doing anything. Let me see. You looking I it up? Right. Yeah. Um, we'll give you guys a roll clone he's soon. A, he's with the, Bill, he's with the Bills. Bills? Bills. They, oh, they picked him back up. I think I did see that. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. But yeah, he's been he's been in the league for I think this is his yeah tenth tenth season. As a linebacker, man, you get beat up in that position. So lasting ten years as a linebacker, good for you. Yeah, yeah. So and AJ, yeah. come on the pod. <laughs> yeah, any we yeah. actually we've any, never even asked him. We should. Brees Hall, should come DM on the pod. Him. Yeah, Brees. Stop, Brock Purdy. Stop playing with our emotions. Brock Purdy would be great, but I, I, um, we I, I don't know if you'd like our style. Yeah, I, I don't no, know. No, probably would. not. Yeah. Well, with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for liking our style. And head on over to BNC. Grab yourself a beer. You know, it's it's, it's been a long episode. It's been a long season, a fun season at that. But without further ado, we we're gonna try and be better about recording more often is that fair newt yes yeah a little busy we'll this try last month but the upcoming month a little quieter yeah, yeah we will yeah. try all right well roll clones roll clones baby <laughs>